freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 278 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is Gen Z and the Second Amendment. And our guest is Austin Smith. Austin is the National Field Director of Turning Point Action, the sister organization to Turning Point USA, and he is the chairman of the Maricopa County Young Republicans. Austin grew up hunting and fishing, and firearms have always been a part of his life since he was born. He believes the Second Amendment is still the most important right we have to fight for every day. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Austin. Hey, guys. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is really exciting. Um, You know, I started thinking about, you know, the millennials. You're a millennial, probably. Are you part of that generation? Last year, millennial. The last Last, year. Last year. And you are far from the uh, the stereotypical. Stereotypical. (laughs) (laughs) And then then we have this Gen Z hanging out there. They're calling them the Zoomers. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, let's talk about the Gen Z and the two A. And who better to do that with than somebody that is out there working on, you know, uh, college campuses and and with the young people. Um, So, you know, what, how did you get involved in this? I know you say you believe the 2A is the most consequential uh, right we have, but, you know, a lot of people could have just been like, yeah, it's important, but I got these other things I got to do. Sure. So I actually grew my first ever political rally I went to was in 2010. I was 15 years old with my mom and dad um, at the Arizona State Capitol to a Tea Party rally. Um, I grew up loving history, loving economics in school. That was fun. Um, And I always just had an interest with that. And I could never um, not be entertained with watching some boring political documentary on the History Channel when I actually played history shows rather than like the aliens on there. Um, but um, I was just really engaged with that. And um, in my house, we grew up hunting and fishing um, with a combat veteran family. We always had firearms in our house. Um, and so it was a generational thing. When my family came to Arizona uh, before statehood, um, my great-grandfather came, great-great-grandfather came over on a covered wagon from Mexico. And then on the other side of the family, my great-great-grandmother came over on a covered wagon from Oklahoma. And so um, they were pioneers, they were rugged. And um, firearms and the firearm culture were always a part of my life. Um, and especially hunting, you know, um, we always use different types of firearms and different types of hunting that we do. And so it was just a way, it's just a way of life for us. Um, and I think there's a lot of Gen Zs and millennials, you know, they may not be identified one way or another on the political spectrum, but they grew up with firearms in the home or they may not be interested in politics because that's what I believe it's a part of an American culture and our heritage. Um, And I think that Generation Z, since they're much more conservative, 
Um, they're actually going to be much more pro Second Amendment than any other generation, I think, has been in the past, maybe since the boomers. Wow. Well, and maybe that's why they call them Zoomers, because I, yeah. I, I have been reading that there is a lot of similarities. And I, maybe it's that pendulum swing, you know, that we sit, we tend to go way mm -hmm. to one side and then, you know, start shifting back over. And holy cow, we're a little bit pegged right now. We this are. is uh, there's yeah. some crazy stuff uh, coming our way for for gun uh, rights for gun laws and you know it's a state level federal level and so even though the second amendment is a non-political issue it is part of the bill of rights that's for everyone we do have to engage with it in the political sphere because it's been made political it's been made this political football Mm -hmm. for politicians to kick around and and throw words around that that sound all common sensey right mm -hmm. and so we do have to hope i guess hope that the next generation will engage uh at the voting booth and right. so when you are talking to these you know either newer voters or future voters depending on where they they land with their age what are you what are you gleaning from them what what do you sense from them do even if they believe that guns are a good thing and have them in the home that doesn't automatically translate to i'm going to pay attention to the issues and vote to protect these rights so over the last year and a half especially leading up to the election cycle a year before and then during it um, a lot of gen z and the latter half of millennials, which I'm considered to be, um, which are, you can almost consider um, Gen Z. Um, but the two biggest issues um, that we've always run across have always been um, jobs. It has always been the free market economy. And the second has been free speech. Now, you can tie free speech into, obviously, that's the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment. Um, but the Second Amendment doesn't really come up all that much because we have lived in a society lately um, where we've seen mass shootings in schools, where sometimes guns are taken out of the household. A lot of moms and dads maybe not own guns or they have a firearm culture in their family. Um, and that's not necessarily Gen Z's fault or some of the millennials, it's because of the household and the upbringing that they've been around. So um, I give a perfect example is that when I was in high school and in grade school, uh, my dad had a gentleman that he did business with and his son um, was actually going to join the army. And he had never actually fired a gun his entire life. Um, he never he never shot a pistol, a handgun, a shotgun, a rifle, nothing like that. Never handled anything like that. And I was like, well, you're going to be in the army, so um, you should probably know exactly what you're going to be dealing with. And so, um, and 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 truth be told, my dad, who's an army veteran, and my grandfather, and they said, there's you'd be surprised by so many people that joined the military that have never touched a firearm before in their life. And so, um, my dad had had this gentleman that he was doing business with, um, and his son. We took him out shooting. We showed him, you know, everything from semi-automatic to our handguns and our shotguns. Um, and then two years later, he became an army ranger. And so can you think of how that would affect somebody who has been around, never been around firearms before? Uh, imagine just for an everyday citizen that has uh, a Gen Z or a millennial that never interacts with firearms. It should be uh, very consequential, I think, for our society um, that firearm training should be in school. Um, a lot of this stuff can be um, prevented. A lot of this firearm education um, will actually um, ease the tensions and give a reality check to people. Um, you always, I bet you guys, because of your industry, if somebody who's not favorable, doesn't know anything about the second amendment, you're willing to teach them how firearms work, the history of firearms, the education, the safety of that. And I think that's where millennials and Gen Z is that 
there's a disconnect because you know the NRA and gun owners of America, we don't they don't have a campus freedom alliance on campus. There's no gun main gun organization on campus to educate people at a grassroots level. Um, now, Turning Point USA and Young Americans for Liberty, yeah, they stand and, and emphasize the Second Amendment, but it, you have to know the basis of why we have that Second Amendment. It's never really emphasized enough. So I think there's a um, there's a hunger for it. There's there's there is a need for it, and there just hasn't been on college campuses because we do need a youthful outreach when it comes to the Second Amendment on college and high school campuses, frankly. I think that you know, like my daughter, she's a Marine, right? <clears throat> and she. Um, she couldn't talk about guns in school. It was it was taboo. Mm -hmm. I think we're breaking away from that a little bit. I mean, it seems like um, with with all the coverage going on, that maybe there's a chance that because she just wasn't allowed to talk about them. Yeah. 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 And no, and I and I can remember when I was in uh, I was I think I was in first or second grade, and uh, one of my show and tell projects that I wanted to do was I went hunting with my dad and my grandfather. My teacher told me that I couldn't talk about guns. My mother wasn't too happy about that. And she went to the teacher and said, yes, he can talk about guns if he wants to. And since then I was able to talk about guns in school, but, but you're absolutely right. It's the culture that we have in this country where we don't talk about firearm education anymore. We don't, I mean, as many guns that we do have in the United States, they're separated across certain households. But I think um, the lack for the next generation to have the knowledge and the safety knowledge um, that comes with firearms and why we have it and why we're the only nation in the world um, that is free because of our second amendment and how we keep our checks and balances from a tyrannical government um, is very scary. And, you know, boomers and Gen X, they're going to eventually die off and it's going to be millennials and generation Z. Um, and I think without that knowledge, institutional knowledge of firearms, um, it's, it's not looking pretty good. <laughs> No, you are so exactly right. And how quickly it changes. I mean, we open this show every week with uh, a clip from a speech that uh, President Ronald Reagan gave years ago. And he says, our freedoms are only one generation away from extinction. And if we aren't that bridge, you know, the, yeah. the, the boomers to whatever my generation is, I forget. <laughs> But um, mine's a dinosaur generation. Dinosaur generation. Um, but if we aren't doing our part, then the next generation can't value what we valued. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know how quickly things do change. Uh, when Dan was in in high school, there there was firearms education oh. in schools. And he would actually go hunting here in Arizona. You know, we used to have a lot more open land yeah. than we do today. But, um, you know, he would go hunting after school with his teachers. My, my gun like, was in the rack at school parked hunting. in the parking lot. And, ammunition, and so everything. were a bunch of other kids yeah. and, and nobody you know, freaked out. And I was, when, I was, when I was in high school um, uh, on Wednesday, school would start until like not till nine o'clock. Um, and my buddies and I, we would go dove hunting in the morning during dove season, but we had to take our guns back home before we went to class. Yeah. Like it was no, it's no joke. Yeah, no, it's, it is no joke now, but it's just a shame that the, the culture of education somehow just stops when it comes to these life-saving tools. And yeah. I'm hoping that with the work that you're doing and others, um, there's a, a an organization that I'm on the board of the second amendment Institute, and they are, they work with students for self-defense. And I think they do have a chapter on a couple of campuses here in Arizona, but you know, a few around the country, it's a growing thing, but it is, it, there is so much pushback 
yeah. it's it's almost impossible to get the message out. And then, you know, we have a year like COVID, and right. then there are other kids on campus. So how do you reach those those kids? What what have you done during this this bizarre year? to continue to message to the the people that you're trying to talk to about uh, all of the important things that you do? Sure. So when when the lockdowns first happened, um, obviously it kind of came, you know, with the shock. We didn't know what we were going to do because our stuff was, you know, in, in politics. It's better to be in person with somebody um, trying to convince them uh, one way or another. Um, so we did have to go virtual and we had to bring in speakers from all across the country, whether they're governors, congressmen, senators, um, social media influencers, Fox News contributors, and and do webinars once or twice a week just to keep people engaged, um, and that was really really tough. Um, and then fast forward to um, you know through the spring, through the summer, and then the, the fall when we were traveling across the country campaigning, um, our events you know some places were easier to hold events at and socially distance at them than others. Um, and then uh, then we finally got to the point where you know people were just more excited at a grassroots level, and it wasn't that hard anymore. Um, but to keep them engaged as much as we could was um, obviously millennials and Gen Z, especially Gen Z kind of dominate the social field, um, was to bring them in to be part of the, of the conversation, was to make sure that they were engaged at a level where they weren't just being talked to, that they were also participating in the conversation. Um, that's what they really understand and really like to contribute to when you find good ones like that, good students that are really interested um, and contributing to a part of a conversation that they feel that it's going to impact, impact their generation. Um, and you'd be actually be surprised that Gen Z and millennials, because they have grown up in such a um, technologically advanced um, part of their life, um, they did get to learn a lot about, you know, what the, what the country wants, what does the country look like 10, 15 years from now? And because they're going to be a big part of that conversation, because like we mentioned before, boomers are dying off, Gen X is eventually not going to be around for a while. And so um, I think the most important thing we picked up over the last year of engaging students was not only the listening part of it, but was the activism part of it, was to send them out and to do the work that, you know, we couldn't, we, you know, we were kind of short staffed at one point. Um, we needed them to be able to produce that on campus as well. So, you know, we had the best field representatives that we could. We trained them as much as we could so they could keep the conversation going. And so it's continuing the conversation and activating at the same exact time. Boy, that's so, so important. So well said. And, you know, having to shift gears and figure out how to really connect in an impactful way where you are remote, that, that sometimes hits, especially with people that, that love, you know, don't call me, text me, you know, <laughs> you know, they, they yeah. like that. But, um, but I do think you are correct when you say there's nothing more impactful than being you know, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, person-to-person with as many people yeah. as you possibly can. Um, so during this uh, past several years, you were very active in an organization called Students for Trump. Yeah. I don't know, maybe people remember this guy, his name was Trump. He was our president for a while, right? We never really heard much about him or from yeah. him. You know, he's a real quiet guy. <laughs> but um, so you were working to reelect him and and all Republicans down ballot across the country. So since we're in a, a different administration uh, and, and we don't really know if Trump's gonna run again in the future in 2024, are you, is that organization still active? Are you guys still doing something out there? Is it just students for you know a different name at the end? What's happening with that? So Students for Trump is a project 
of Turning Point Action. Um, Charlie Kirk, who's the COO and uh, or the CEO and founder of Turning Point USA, also Turning Point Action, my boss, um, acquired Students for Trump two years ago from the actual founder, Ryan Fournier, and we incorporated it to Turning Point Action. So um, students, Turning Point Action is kind of like the vehicle for Students for Trump. It's our idea. It's just a project that we're doing. Um, and so um, as the national field director, you know, I oversaw our 300 chapters, our, our uh, 15 some um, full-time field representatives on our office staff. Um, I kind of ran the whole shebang. And um, one thing that I did learn about the Trump administration, um, and I guess just obviously kind of conservative politics in general is that um, your litmus test is where you stand on the second amendment. And it didn't matter which part of the country that we went to, you know, we, we held events in Arizona and Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Western Minnesota, Iowa, um, Texas, and the litmus test is where you stand on the Second Amendment, and that's going to be around for quite some time now. And I think that's going to be really important going into the next administration to see exactly where some um, newly elected Republicans, you know, there's only like a 12-seat majority that Nancy Pelosi has in the House of Representatives right now, and that's the slimmest majority ever in the history of the United States Congress. And there's going to be a lot of Republicans that, you know, maybe come from purple districts or, or kind of swing districts. Um, there'll be Republicans that come from much more red districts to see where they land on uh, you know, the Second Amendment and self-defense. And then right now, this Congress doesn't have a massive gun legislation on the table right now, unless they try to put something in an amendment as an amendment somewhere. Um, and obviously with a Democrat president, it's more likely to you know, get a signature on something like that and with a Democrat Senate, um, but we still have the filibuster. And I know, I wish Republicans, you know, we do fight pretty hard when it comes to the Second Amendment. I wish we fought as hard on like big tech and the First Amendment as we would our Second Amendment. Um, but at the end of the day, we also have the states checks and balance the, the states, and um, we still have more Republican-controlled governors, or more Republican state um, legislatures, and more Republican state attorney generals, and that's a good thing. Um, but they're going to be up for re-election or they're termed out in 2022. And so um, I would advise everybody to start paying attention who's going to be your governor and running for governor in your state in 2022, and who's going to be your attorney general because at the end of the day, those also make the biggest impact and who's going to be in control of your state legislature. Obviously, in Arizona, the Democrat or the Republicans have controlled the state legislature since the 1960s in one chamber or the other and has controlled the House of Representatives since 1996. You know, everybody ranks us as the most pro Second Amendment state in the country. Um, we're only, you know, we're a changing demographic here in Arizona. Um, the, it only takes one or two votes to flip the legislature here in Arizona, which looking the way that it's going to be, it's two or three seat majority one party, political party or the other, you know, one governorship and those second amendment rights can be erased just like that. Uh, Ted Cruz obviously came out with a book that said one, it was called One Vote Away on the Supreme Court, your state Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court. Um, everybody should need to be gearing up now, not a year from now, they need to be gearing up now to help good pro second amendment candidates win on the ballot box in 2022. Amen. Yeah, definitely amen <clears throat> to that. And one of the things that I have noticed within the gun rights advocacy activist community and i think conservatives in general is you know we really kind of have this you know live and let live we're not the ones that are out there usually gathering all of our friends together and you know looking all in the same direction and you know mm -hmm. so that works against us in a lot of ways and it causes us to always be reacting Mm -hmm. to what's going on rather than being proactive and getting ahead of it. And so the words that you just said, start now, start yesterday, right? Yeah. Paying attention, 
you know, uh, starting to, to find people to either support who are thinking of making a run for office, new fresh voices, or maybe being that fresh voice yourself. I'm talking to the listeners out there, right? Not just in Arizona, but all across the nation. But here in Arizona, so often, you know, people have thought, well, yeah, we are the, the most freedom state as far as guns go. And, you know, so we're Arizona, we're good. We don't have to care about it. Well, guess what? <laughs> guess what? Somehow we turned blue. I, you know, while you were sleeping, we turned blue. So why do we care? We care because the democratic platform, maybe not your democratic neighbor, but your dem- the democratic platform is all about guns are bad. And we've got to do something about the guns themselves and those weird fringe people that, that happen to like guns, right? Yep, absolutely. And um, I think what's going to be critical um, in supporting candidates, um, pro-Second Amendment candidates, pro-self-defense candidates, I should say, that's where we need to you know, really shape the conversation is you know, when they hear pro-Second Amendment, some people who may be on the fence or um, Democrats, they may lean more conservative, but they're not that big on the Second Amendment. Um, we need to say we're pro self-defense. I'm mm-hmm. pro human self-defense. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the conversation needs to be wrapped around that because when they hear Second Amendment, they think, oh, just guns, all you, you're just gun-toting redneck hillbillies. And like, well, yeah, which some of us are, but you know, we're pro self-defense. We you say that, that like it's a bad thing. Yeah, like you, are, you are the last line of defense for your family, for your life, for your individual freedom for, you know, just the incumbents of human dignity, you are the last self-defense, you're the last part um, of that, especially in your family. And so I, another aspect that, that's really going to be important is grassroots gun organizations like yours that make a difference. Um, obviously, you have the NRA and GOA, and they put money behind candidates and support and endorse candidates, but it's really at the grassroots level that makes ended up making a difference. Um, in the state legislature, you know, I, any, you know, grassroots gun organization, advocacy group, um, you guys have to be involved. Start a political action committee, start an independent expenditure supporting candidates that are running for Congress, supporting ones that are running for the state legislature, even your school board, you know, that want to help support, you know, having school resource officers on campus to defend the school. Um, I think that's what um, our movement is missing. And as a conservative movement in general, is that we do have big groups um, for advocacy for the Second Amendment and supporting candidates that support it. But at the grassroots level can really make a difference in these really tight races and especially in your community, because obviously we think of the presidency, the Senate and the U.S. House having the biggest impact on our lives. Well, what's to an extent that they do, but it's really the government in your back door, your city council and your state legislature and your governor that really make the difference. And um, I, we should challenge every gun organization across the state. Um, like yours and like thousands of others to be involved in 2022 right now, start raising money to support candidates and to, you know, kind of um, put ads out against bad candidates that want to just take away the second amendment, you know, knocking doors for these candidates. That makes a big difference, you know, raising money to have literature to drop on um, people's doors. I can't tell you in 2018, when I was actually managing a state Senate campaign for a state Senator here in Arizona in the West Valley, um, one of the things that, you know, we would be on our books and we would see, um, you know, who these registered people were, if there was somebody that we needed to give, you know, uh, a mail or two, and there'd be some people on there that we would be see registered as voter or that wouldn't be registered as voters on our thing, but I'd see an NRA sticker or a GOA sticker, or they'd have some type of gun or, or a hunting thing on their car or a don't tread on me or a Gadsden, a Gadsden flag or, you know, Molon Lab somewhere on their truck or at their house, we would go and talk on that door. Because we would encourage him like, hey, I know you obviously you like guns here. You probably have some in this house. He's like, but 
are you registered to vote? No, that doesn't matter. I was like, well, it does because at the end of the day, the one person or the other on that ballot is not too happy that you have a Molon Lave sticker on the back of your truck. And it's gonna be up to you. It's you and I are the last line of defense to stop the eradication of the second amendment. And that's gonna be everybody's job between now in November of 2022 was registering voters and supporting candidates that support the second amendment. Oh man, that, I mean, we're just going to put that on the replay. We're just going <laughs> to loop that and loop that because you really, you said it all right there. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know what to say because he's, he's got it all. You know, the only thing else I could add to that, I guess would be that, you know, there's 8 million new gun owners. Mm -hmm. And if there's a way to get to those, and I think the best way to get to them is, is individuals. You know, yeah. like me going, taking somebody shooting or teaching somebody that just bought a new gun, how to operate the gun and, and let them know, you know, the, why it was difficult to buy your gun. Cause you know what? They were surprised. They walk in the door and they were delayed or denied or, or not denied, but delayed. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't pick up their guns and go, why I'm, I'm okay. Why can't I pick them mm -hmm. up? And some were denied mm -hmm. that had to go and appeal and mm -hmm. and they they were cleared yeah because, like a false denial uh, you're right so um uh we've had several people that say i thought i could just walk in the door and buy a gun and we say to them you know this is this is why we need to vote mm -hmm. you know you can't buy guns online you know they they're all this rumors that are being spread so i think that getting to those eight million new gun owners would probably help too mm -hmm. so absolutely what, what would you say uh if you could you know, say one thing to all those brand new first-time gun owners, many of them, most of them in our experience with our gun shop, um, weren't people that were like, you know, at some point I'm going to own a gun. Uh, the majority of them, they were sober of mind, but they were like a little bit, you know, deer in headlights thinking I would have never guessed that I was going to be a gun owner. And here I find myself doing this. If you could say one thing to them, uh, leave them with some nugget of knowledge, what would that be? Don't stop. Continually educate yourself. Buy more guns. Learn about more different types of firearms. Start out easy. It's important to have a mentor, I would say. I was lucky enough to grow up in a house where I had a dad and a grandfather and uncles that took me hunting. We would go shooting. Um, so I grew up with a knowledge and of safety of firearms and how they work and how they operate and why we have the Second Amendment, but not everybody has that. If you, if you feel like it's something that you want to start getting interested into, find somebody that you know that is reliable when it comes to firearms. Not everybody is. You need to find somebody that knows the safety, that knows how to operate firearms, that knows um, what they're used for um, in certain ways, um, obviously, because you're not using a, a hunting rifle as really a self-defense in your home. So find somebody who can teach you that type of stuff. Find you somebody um, that's reliable, that's knowledgeable, that you want to have a relationship with, because you're going to build a camaraderie with people when you um, know firearms. Um, I give you a perfect example at, at the headquarters at Turning Point USA. A lot of us all here carry. A lot of us, um, you know, in the wintertime when it was nice and cool before we had to travel uh, for some of our conferences and stuff, we go shooting together. We'll go shoot clay pigeons. I'll bring people out to the desert where my family has property and we'll go shoot clay, clay pigeons together. Um, go back home and drink beer and, and have a steak or something. They build a, you build a camaraderie with people. You start to understand that, um, you know, it's a part of American culture and heritage, like I mentioned earlier in the show. Um, and it's got to stay that way. And it only happens if we educate people. It's only if we bring more pe new people to the table, people that are skeptical, especially, and show them like, it, it's kind of like um, planting a seed. Just over time, you're going to learn that this is a, a, a really cool thing to be a part of. And it's um, a part of our history since the birth of our nation. And uh, just be happy to be a part of it. 
It's very addicting. I thought that when you talked about the ranger, he said he'd never shot before and you took him out shooting. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to tell me he decided not to go in the army and decided to open a gun shop. <laughs> you know? you may because, come home and open one. You never know. <laughs> because it is, it is addicting. And, you know, I think another thing, I think guys do a great job with what they do, but I think that if we get more women involved, women are great at marketing. They're great at socializing and mm -hmm. all that. And that would really help too. Yep. For sure. So as we just start wrapping up, I am so excited that uh, you are going to be one of our speakers this year at the 2021 Second Amendment Rally that we're holding on Saturday, February 20th at the Arizona State Capitol on the lawn there uh, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And, you know, this is one of those, you know, bring the whole family. This is a celebration of our rights. There's going to be food and vendors and amazing speakers like yourself and you know especially with you know the the stuff that's happened this year the stuff that happened at the US Capitol there are some people that maybe are feeling like well we can't get together anymore because you know they think that we'll get labeled as something that mm -hmm. we're not um what do you say why would you say that it is still important for us to gather together at events like this sure it reminds me of a quote by Andrew Breitbart where he said, walk towards the fire. If they're saying things against you, that's because um, they know you're doing something right. Um, if you're walking forward and doing it, that means that you're showing other people that they can do it too. Um, you know, we're not some crazy fringe group. We just love the Second Amendment. We love our right to keep and bear arms. It's a part of our American heritage and culture. Um, people are always going to label us as, uh, on the, especially on the far left, as gun nuts and and gun clingers, in which we are, and we proudly wear that as a, as a badge of honor. But you know, you can't let it stop you. Um, that's what they want you to do. They want you to feel bad for, sec for exercising your right to peacefully assemble. They want you to think that your freedom is selfish. And that's not the case. You have, we have to continue to hold the line. We're not violent people. We're not there to cause a ruckus. We're there to exercise our First Amendment rights and our Second Amendment rights, which are constitutionally protected under the first and second amendment. And they're gonna throw everything that they can at you sometimes to not be a part of these types of things, but hold the line. Don't listen, you're there with people who agree with you. And they're, and if you're able to say that you're there doing it, they're gonna be able to think that they can do it too. That's fantastic. I love it. And I am super excited that you're gonna be one of our speakers. But you know, we keep talking about the first amendment, the second amendment. Uh, we've talked about it being in the Bill of Rights. Of course, the Bill of Rights is the firewall that's in our constitution that our founders you know, said, well, these are the things that the government can't get on the, the individual freedom side of, and yet we've, we've let enough uh, holes get poked in it that the, the government does get on the freedom mm -hmm. side of it, the individual side. But I think uh, what's, what's in my mind right now is that I keep hearing that the younger generations, the millennials, maybe the Zs, the Zoomers, um, the generation after that, I think they're calling them Generation Alpha, um, which I don't know who makes these names up, but that, that they are separated in some ways from the Constitution. So are we still reaching those young people by referencing this document, or do we need something, some other kind of uh, words or, you know, what do you think about that? Are, does this even matter to that those generations anymore? I think to an extent it does. Um, John, you mentioned before, Generation Z is becoming much more conservative than um, you know 
the previous generations, like like millennials. And um, obviously, you guys maybe have heard of TikTok. So a lot of these other social media platforms, conservatives are starting to dominate. That's why we're being deplatformed in certain ways, because we're starting to reach people in ways that the left usually typically dominated, especially in pop culture. You know, in my opinion, uh, Donald Trump was the pop culture president, and he reached people in ways that no other politician could in a long time. And I think um, younger conservatives, that's why a lot of people are being deplatformed and removed from social media is because we're reaching people in ways that the left had typically dominated. Um, we're reaching people through those social media avenues with conservative beliefs. And the Second Amendment and First Amendment and the Bill of Rights as a whole are, are core tenet of the conservative movement. And so I think over time, you're going to see that it's it's continually growing. Like I mentioned before, a lot of us here at Turning Point USA, we're all gun nuts. We all carry together. We go shooting together. And there are, a lot of them are people, the average age is between of 20 and 25 years old here at Turning Point, or 21 and 25 years old. And a lot of people um, our age are starting to be more fully aware of what these things are because campus activism is getting really big. Whether they, you know, agree with it or not, they're fully aware of what it is, right or left. So, you know, as long as we continue to hold the line and keep pushing people in the right direction through as many social media avenues as we can with our activism, I think it's going to make a big difference in the long run 10, 15 years from now, only if we keep it up. We can't you know, let, let these people tell us that our freedom is selfish. We have to keep activating and keep pushing and, and mobilizing people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Austin Smith. I would like you to tell folks how they can follow all the work that you're doing and reach out and uh, you know connect with you in whatever ways that, that might help them to move the needle in their own lives to become activists or advocates, whatever, whatever avenue that that they would like to to become involved sure so you can follow me on twitter at chairman austin and then you can follow me on instagram at at az austin underscore smith or you can go to just turning point action tr excuse me tpaction.com and you can get updates from our website there of what turning point action is doing and then my email is austin at tpaction.com if you guys have any questions or you want to you know help the younger generation get help the younger to donate or you know maybe you have a daughter or a son or uh, a niece a nephew a grandkid who wants to be involved with a turning point usa or a turning point action chapter i'd be happy to help them and get them involved and if you want to get involved with the republican party of arizona i'm happy to help you get you involved in that as well you know i i I, I stay busy. It keeps me out of trouble with conservative activism so anything you guys want to get involved in you can just let me know and i'd be happy to help you well, Austin, I was just wondering if I could just have you hang around me and when we go to events, you could answer all the questions. Because <laughs> no yeah, you do a great job with it. I, I'm really uh, excited to hear from you. So uh, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank right. you. Bye-bye, Bye -bye. Austin Smith of Turning Point Action. Bye-bye wow. now. Lots of energy. Yeah. Lots of common sense. Oh my goodness. You know, yeah, I, I don't, I, there's nothing I can add to this. He's got it. He really does. And I think that that kind of energy and just, it just comes from a genuine place. Uh, that is, you know, it's contagious. Right. <laughs> and why do you think that uh, the deplatforming and the um, shadow banning and the you know, removing, putting people in social media jail. Why do you think that is so rampant? Because the yeah. ideas that, that Austin is, is talking about, they're, they are attractive and enriching 
And, you know, there's really very little debate against them. And so if you can't just stand toe to toe with somebody and debate ideas, what are you going to do? You're going to try to silence those ideas. So it looks like our biggest obstacle is, is how we're taught, how the kids are taught in school today. Mm-hmm. And so when these guys that are coming out with Turning Point mm-hmm. and they become teachers, things like that, mm-hmm. then maybe that could influence and change things. But mm-hmm. uh, it, I guess it goes in cycles. I mean, when we were kids, we weren't allowed, we weren't allowed to talk about guns, not mm-hmm. because the law. Mm-hmm. We didn't want people breaking into our house. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of that way. It's different. You know, we didn't have NRA stickers on our car. That was just your like parents that. telling you, right. okay. Yeah, and other other. You kids know, it too. wasn't like the general culture saying. No, no, it wasn't. You know, keep every that. kid, every oh guns. You know, every yeah. house in our neighborhood had guns, but everybody said they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so that way, no one break into the other guy's house. But uh, oh, uh, so I think that that has a lot to do with it for my generation, not to spread how much fun it is to shoot all that stuff. I mean, we took people shooting, but it was different mm-hmm. now. Like and like Austin said, you know, uh, just take people out. Shoot. Absolutely. And I love that the the way that the culture at Turning Point Action, Turning Point USA sounds that, you know, it's just a lot of of camaraderie nobody's forcing ideas on anyone else Mm -hmm. and you know that's not the feeling that's not the the way that it looks maybe with the other side of the conversation and it's like a lot of looking down the nose at you know oh well if you don't agree with me then you know delete cancel culture um and so i think that there is there is a bright future for the ideas of freedom And if we can just continue to teach people who our founders were, what they were about, you know, a lot of our founders, when the revolution was going on, the revolutionary war was Mm -hmm. going on and this document was being written, they were of the age of the people that, that Austin's talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, they were twenties, thirties. We always think of them as, you know, a bunch of old gray hair, white haired, uh, you know, dudes that, you know, maybe weren't you know, not as relevant today. Um, They were definitely relevant in their time. They were young. They were engaged. And they saw how their parents were treated. The families were taken away from their families. Absolutely. And they said, we're not going to let that happen to the next generation. Can't we just teach the new generation to say, no, it's mine. You can't have it. (laughs) Well, you know, we all start out that way when when we're littles. So maybe we need to hang on to that. And you know, the other thing, I think we need to stay stuck in the why stage more longer, right? Right. When kids are like, Hey, pick up your toys. Why? Well, because we need to clean up. Why? Because I said so. Why? That's not enough. Right. If we stayed in the why stage longer then, um, pardon me, then I think that, you know, that, that puts your brain in a different place, you know, well, guns are bad. Why? Well, we need to change the laws. Why? So to keep people, you know, from getting guns. Well, why? Why can't they have guns? Guns are used two and a half million times every single year to save life, to defend life. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault. Why? Because she was a responsibly armed citizen. So Guns are used for good all the time, for hunting, for sporting, 
for you know recreation, family recreation, right. and for self defense. Yeah. But I love how how <clears throat> Austin said that. We need you know, to talk more in terms of what what are we pro? We're pro self defense. Pro self defense. That's how could you fight that? Yeah. Oh, well, you don't need to defend yourself. Right. Oh. We'll call the police. Oh, wait, you wanted to defend the police. Remember? Right. So, well, you know, uh, you know, bad guys. What's the chances of a bad guy coming to you? Well, let's look at the two and a half million times every <clears throat> year that something was happening to someone that a gun in the hands of a you know, a trained and responsible citizen made the difference in, in saving life. Let's use that pro self-defense. I like it. Cause it's right. <clears throat> you know, my daughter, she was, when, when she was three, she was a liberal <laughs> just when she was three. What'd and, she, what'd she do that was, well, we tell her, no, she can't do that. She's, I want to, if I want, <laughs> and we broke that from her pretty quickly. But that that's I cute. remember that it was I want to if I want. Uh, yeah. and, I, and that's that's kind of how I see the liberals today. I want to if I want. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to it. There's no justification. Not it's just all because liberals, I no, so not we always have to be careful about that. Yeah, no, three or four no, that are right. And and again, I think it's the Democratic Party platform more so than the individual. Okay. Guy that lives down the street, person that you meet in the grocery store. I want a name. I want a name for the person that's trying to take my rights away mm -hmm. and that's and that is infringing on my rights. Well, I want to know what we call that... them because then I will never use that word again if you'll give me the right word to use. Well, I think that you're not using the wrong word. I don't think you're using the word incorrectly. I just think that I know what you're saying. Our, There's some our pastor people... uses a phrase that is one of my favorites. Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Don't hear what I'm not saying. And that seems to be, why does he even have to say that? Because that's rampant right now. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I'm just over clarifying that you're not putting everybody all in one lump. That's you why know. I want a name. If you give me a name, then I won't have to put it. I'll, I'm just putting the ones that are trying to take my rights away from me. Well, rights restrictors. I don't know. I don't before, because I mean, yes, there know? are Democrats that, that like guns. Mm -hmm. And there, there are, are Republicans. There are that, conservatives. That don't like guns. I don't know if they could be conservatives and, and, you know, want to restrict your rights, but um, there that's are Republicans. That's the word right there, but. You said, but. Yeah, there are Republicans out there. They got the big R on their chest, mm -hmm. right? And then they're like, yeah, well, you don't need that right. And let's, let's infringe on that other right. Because, but yeah, because, but all right, we got to get out of here. What a great conversation. What a, a incredible honor and blessing that it is for Dan and I to get to be here, talk to amazing guests yes. like Austin Smith of turning point action and that our listeners, the people that could be anywhere doing anything, take the time to tune in and listen to these conversations. It's amazing. Yes, thank thank you, you so much. And we see you, we see you all over, not just the nation, but all over the world. And we, we know you're there. We value you. Thank you. And then when you take those conversations into your sphere of influence around your dinner table, your carpool, you know, the, the uh, next zoom meeting that you have, uh, you know, that's really the value. I mean, talking about it makes the difference. Mm -hmm. If you just hide it to yourself, mm -hmm. if you don't bring it out. Mm -hmm. 
It's always surprising to me that, um, you know, that sometimes I'll be in a situation and I'll feel like maybe this person isn't somebody that I can lean in with my whole second amendment. I own a gun store. Maybe I should talk more about our auction house or just our grandkids. Can't even talk about the weather anymore because, you know, global warming, all that. But if I do take that risk and I do say something about, you know, being a, a, a conservative or a gun owner or a gun store owner, 99.9% of the time, it allows that other person to be able to say something that maybe they were afraid to bring forward, like even if it's not. Oh, honey, I like guns too, but do we need those gray, ugly AR-15, 17s or whatever they're? Uh, you know, the black but it does give you a chance like to have the, a conversation. They're like the Black Widow right. spiders of, of rifles, right? right. Well, you know, and, and that's okay because yeah. that's not a fight. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. And sometimes, yeah, it's not like they're going to go, Oh yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I agree with you, but it gives them a chance to have a conversation with someone who's reasonable right. and calm and logical that maybe they wouldn't have had the opportunity if, if I hadn't, or you haven't, um, but make it a conversation that risk and, and stepped out of your comfort zone, make it a conversation, not a fight. And For you know, sure. you, you can always talk more later, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's best to end, this, end it and then come back to it next time you see them. Absolutely. Give them some time Don't to think it about blow it. Up. So, right. Don't let it blow up. There's too much of that energy out there. Um, you know, the silencing, the canceling, let's, let's not do that to each other as individuals. Uh, I don't think we really do, honestly. I think that's uh, that is some. So the kind weather, of... weather and global warming. What do you think about that weather and global warming, ma'am? I think Are you that... going to yell at me and scream at me? <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's um, you know it could be something that's out there. I don't know how it much it's joke. man. It was a joke. I know, but I want to answer it. I don't know how much of it man uh, has truly impacted. Uh, but the thing is, is that. It, how many times have we heard through this COVID season, the cure can't be worse than the, the problem, right? Uh, that's what I always see with global warming is the thing they want to do to cure it, cure it as if we really can, I'm not sure we can, uh, to me feels like it is worse than, than the problem itself. So it's hard for me to just dive on board and go, oh yeah, we need to you know, well, whatever they're, I, their I think they're going to have, they're, they're going to have to talk to God about now. that. They have to pray to God about that one because, you know, this world has changed so many times and the deserts were forests and the forests were deserts. Mm -hmm. There's proof of that. So did, you know, were they concerned about that before there was even people on earth about global warming? But you they know? couldn't tax back then. So. Oh, the tax. Oh, that's what it is. I'm just saying. But anyway, <laughs> all right, moving along, moving along. All right. Thank you so much again to Austin Smith, our guest, to all of our listeners all across the world. If you've missed anything uh, about this show, or if you want to go watch any of our shows or listen to them. You can watch them on OpsLens app on your smartphone, on YouTube, on GunStreamer, uh, multiple different platforms out there. If you just want the audio version, you can go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the On Demand tab, and binge listen to, to your, your heart's, heart's content, content. And you won't have to look at me. All, <laughs> all of the episodes that we have there. And if you want to learn more about our guests, click the guest tab. You'll see photos and bios and links to 
all the guests we've ever had on, subject matter experts in numerous fields, and it's an incredible resource, and we do not hate it when you spend some time there. All right, we've got to go. So until next time, please pray for our nation. Pray for our elected officials. All of them? All of them, Dan. Okay. E- even the ones you don't like. Even the ones we want to recall. Even the ones we want to recall. <sighs> Gavin Newsom. We don't even live in California and he's on our, our last nerve, but um, that's a different story for a different time. Anyway, um, all of them, even the ones that are on our last nerves, um, be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs>